Once upon a time, we were Africans involved in a unique lexicon of beliefs, lore, stories, and customs that were designed to help integrate us into an environment filled with plants, animals, elements, and a complex array of spirits. With the advent of slavery, the physical bond with the motherland was broken, but like seeds lifted from a ripe plant by wind, we found fertile ground in distant lands elsewhere. Stephanie Rose Bird, author. Welcome to The Lost Traveler. I'm your host, Henry Cameron Allen. And today I have a very, very special guest and new friend. Um, her name is Taylor Ray Tate. Welcome, Taylor Ray. Thank you so much for having me, Henry. Oh, it's my pleasure. I uh, I know we just met um, just a few weeks ago, and it was uh, before everything went down. And you know, we started talking about the importance of of health in Black and Brown communities, and and the um, specifically holistic health. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm so interested in your expertise, what you have gleaned and learned after studying uh, herbalism uh, for a number of years, you've worked with master herbalists and, and, and you've started a, a business, Rayflower Holistics, mm-hmm. um, uh, around this whole idea of serving through uh, herbalism. Tell me a little bit about your, your background and, and what inspired you to become an herbalist and, and educator. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess so. My whole life, I've really been so fascinated by the natural world and plant world. Um, Growing up, I spent most of my time outside, um, and that kind of translated into my like educational pursuits when I went off to university. Um, So in university, I studied environmental science, uh, plant biology, and conservation, and I did a lot of research on plants at the Chicago Botanic Garden. And just through my research experience and really diving in deep to um, chemical components of plants and what they do, it really dawned on me how evolved plants were and how just amazing their capabilities were. Um, Mm. And, you know, as I continue to learn about this and after graduating, as I still continue to learn, um, there was part of me that always felt that maybe there was something missing. And um, after university, I went on kind of a backpacking trip in an effort to separate myself from society and kind of figure out where, um, you know, I wanted to go in my life. And that's really when I uh, figured out or discovered um, herbal medicine um, Mm. in terms of, you know, the ways that plants have evolved and have formed mutualisms with the human body as well. Um, so that's really just where something inside me kind of awoke and it became very clear that this was what I was here to do. It was what I was meant to do. Um, I have a background in education and formal education as well. And so um, mm. kind of just all tied together really nicely and just really, you know, everything just kind of went hand in hand and, and now I'm here. Where did you go? Where did you go on your trip? 
I went to New Zealand, so. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Did you, did you find, that, why, I guess, why New Zealand, number one, but, but did you find that there was a, a different kind of environment there that you could have found in, in other, you know, tropical or, you know, central South America? I mean, there's so many places, the Amazon, where, um, where nature is still, in some places, its last vestiges, but um, is still um, thick and, and largely undiscovered uh, in its potential. What, what, what was it about New Zealand that attracted you? Um, really, it was, it was quite random. Um, I, was, I went backpacking with my partner and mm-hmm. we, I speak some Spanish and so I was open to Central and South America and other regions where Spanish is spoken, but he does not. So we were basically on our list was we were looking for somewhere that spoke English, um, mm-hmm. the um, primary language. And also he was um, very concerned with safety, specifically snakes and avoiding them. And mm. New Zealand's wildlife is, it's very diverse in terms of the bird life, but it doesn't really have any other dangerous animals, mammals or reptiles alike. And so, really, yeah, um, one, so New Zealanders are known as Kiwis for their um, country bird, which is the Kiwi, but also because they're just huge birders because there aren't really any other animals there. Um, mm. The only, I think, mammalian species there are possums and some rodents and some boars. I believe that's it. And and these are all herbivores, right, that you've mentioned for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. And I think, you know, w- with the symbiotic relationship in nature between animals and, and plants, those two kingdoms, I think it's really interesting to... Uh, to have gone to a place, an island country, where you could actually see that play out. Oh, 100%. The biodiversity of New Zealand is just so, it's just so full and lush. And, you know, depending on where you go, you go into like a totally different habitat. You know, you have your black sand beaches and, you know, your rainforest Mm. and everything. It's just, it's so amazing. And I think allowing myself to have that rest away from, um, you know, what in the States can be known as kind of a grind culture, productivity culture. Um, It was very much a privilege, but also connecting in that way to the plant world because, you know, growing up, I didn't do a lot of camping. That's not what my family did. I think there is kind of a disconnect in some, you know, black communities in terms of like getting in touch with it's like camping I feel is in some communities something that's not really a privilege to us um Mm. those two natural worlds and getting in touch in the same way definitely not for everyone but for my family for sure um and so that was a kind of the first time I was able to just be me and connect in that way in a natural world but that's just so it was just so pure and um I don't know. I'm really amazing. And it was an amazing and opportunity and very much a privilege to be able to go there. Um, yeah. Allocation of loan money, you know, that's just what you have yeah. sometimes. <laughs> right. Right. It's true. Did you grow up in an urban environment or more of a rural or kind of a combination? So I grew up in a suburban environment. So um, a suburb yeah. outside of the Twin Cities. 
Um, mm. So there was a lot of like parks and even nature in that way. My backyard was very much just like trees and there were trees and small forests around me. Um, mm. But it was never encouraged in my family to like kind of get out in nature. It's something I had to find for myself. And so I was doing it on a small scale all growing up. And then when I was in university working in the field for, you know, plant research. And then this is the time in New Zealand I was able to do it on a very large and grand scale. And it changed your path. A hundred percent. You know, I always knew that I wanted to work with plants and research plants, but that this experience opened my eyes up into like the healing capabilities of plants and, you know, using plants within our holistic frameworks. And we're going to take a brief pause right now to hear a word from our sponsor. Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project Wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. So let's get right to the topic about, you know, I mean, we're talking about growing up in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities area. Um, I also lived there for, for many years. I raised my son there. Um, so I'm very familiar with, with the community and with the culture. And, um, and you know, when we're talking about uh, barriers to holistic health in black and brown communities, um, you know, there is such a cultural diversity in, in the Twin Cities, but in also in all of our urban centers. It's a global community that we're in now. Um, talk about some of those barriers, why they exist, um, and and what can we do to, to break some of those down? I know that's happening now as we speak in some ways, mm -hmm. but from an herbalist's perspective, I'm very interested in finding out your perspective on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just as kind of um, laying the, the ground, the footing for where I start as an herbalist, um, my job and what I focus on is holistic health, which is essentially looking at not just, you know, underlying symptoms or illnesses in general, but all parts of a body, all parts of a life that can possibly contribute to any ailment someone is experiencing. And so when we're talking about that, we're talking about emotional well-being and mental well-being and spiritual well-being. Um, and we were talking about stress and its component that it plays in, its, in, in an individual's life. And so as I am, you know, living in the now and seeing all that's going on and really the 
you know, rebellions that have risen up and for, you know, justice for George Floyd and all before, like all the people who fell or were murdered before him. Yes, um, yes. The first thing that really comes to mind is just the utter and complete grief and exhaustion that Black people and Black communities are feeling and kind of the ways that really affects someone's emotional health, mental health, but also physical well-being. Um, the reality that stress plays in a body, while stress is a, a very important um, physiological response, it what it's what really gets uh, bodies ready for fight or flight. Chronic stress is so depleting and can have like have such a detrimental effect on the body. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, from, you know, it suppresses the immune system, it can upset digestion, it can increase your risk for cardiovascular disease, you know, not to mention things like anxiety, depression, PTSD. And so when we're talking about the Black community and its relation to holistic health, you know, it has to be, we have to keep in mind the ways that our society plays out and creates barriers for that. Because when I saw um, a meme or it was a tweet or something that came up on my page recently that mm -hmm. something along the lines of exist or existing in this world black means waking up, having a good day, only to realize another one of us had been killed and then not being able to even deal emotionally with that reality. You know, right. it's a whole nother um, set of weights put on the backs of this community that other people, you know, specifically white people don't have to deal with, you know, it's another thing. This is generational. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a, a new study epigenetics um, that talks about the genetic uh, response and ancestral memory that is carried in your genes that even affects your DNA. Right. And so it's not just what's happening to you in the moment today. It's not just what's happened, you know, over the last 10 or 15, 20 years, or even in the 400 plus years since black people were kidnapped and brought here uh, to America. Um, this is something that is, is, is perpetuating, isn't it? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, um, you know, there are a number of systems in place, not just in policing, that really try to hold Black people down, which perpetuate, you know, you know our ability to become in proximity with health. Um, and so if we're talking about systems, um, there are so many different factors, such as, you know, things like income or housing stability mm. or access to health care and the response health care is going to give a person. Um, a lot of my research that I've done around different, you know, access to health care issues um, amongst black and brown people, the, the statistics and the journal articles are just really, really very shocking. Um, there's one that was talking about the ways in which people in healthcare perceive Black people specifically, and mm. um, or people in general. And they took a poll of random um, and presented the fact that could be answered as true or false if 
black people based on the makeup of our skin, a genetic underlying component, feel less pain than their white counterparts. And um, many of those random white bystanders said, yeah, that tr- that's true. That sounds about right. They took the same hmm. survey of medical students, white medical students, and 50% of them said that that was something that they thought was true, that that was a fact. And in that 50%, there was a high statistical probability that it would affect the way that you know these medical students would treat their patients. And that is just one component of the ways in which you know Black people have been systemically oppressed and the ways in which racism really has the power to affect our health in terms of like the healthcare system, you know? And I imagine that, that, that even extends to medical professionals of color who are, are treating other people of color, because if it's in their training, you know, this, like you said, it, it gets deep in, into mental health as much as it does, uh, the physical body, um, you know, and, and, and there has been an incredible uh, manipulation uh, over over generations that that affects every industry, it affects every art form, it affects every science and study. And how how has it affected herbalism? Do you think? Yeah. So I mean, I think I think you know nothing is safe from systemic anti-blackness. I think that's something that isn't just nationwide, it's worldwide. I think herbal medicine has really created an opportunity for looking at a lot of these underlying factors, a lot of these um, implications, because we are so focused on the whole, the whole person. And I think that's something that can be lacking of allopathic or traditional Western medicinal fields. Um, Yeah, I know, but I also know that there's still a lack of awareness of that in the holistic community and in the wellness community. Um, And that's where I find that I have a lot of responsibility, not only as an educator, but as a black herbalist, you know, approaching these things with a lot of care and approaching these things, really recognizing the systems that are in place that, you know, in which that people would need extra support in dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's shocking to, to see how many barriers are up. And, you know, as, as somebody who is born with privilege and, and is still striving to understand the black experience through research and study and cr- the creation collaboratively of, of storytelling on stage um, to share these stories. I'm, I'm constantly finding myself, you know, taken aback by the stories that have been buried. Um, and I think it's time to unearth them. And 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 reveal them to the sunlight because it's it, and and show a lot of love to these stories so that we can start. We'll never understand. I I don't think I will ever fully understand, but I can strive to. And I think that's a big message right now for people in the medical industry, in the healing arts, mm-hmm. 
um, to be able to to understand your privilege, our privilege, I mean, and 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 be able to break through that and strive for understanding. And we'll be right back right after this. Introducing the newest member of the Vox Life family, REMPatch with OST, optimized sleep technology, balances your REM and deep sleep stages to encourage rejuvenation of the mind and body. No drugs, no hangover, just a great night's sleep. Visit dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com for information. That's dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com. All Vox Life products are available in the UK, Canada, and the USA. Um, it seems to me that your art and your healing techniques and and methodologies are born out of the ancestry of your community and in a way is it isn't it giving back a gift that was that was a birthright no i think that that's definitely the case i think herbal medicine or the utilization of plants for their healing properties you know at a phytochemical level has been that mm -hmm. has been a tradition virtually for every, you know, living culture that there's been. And it's only, it's really only in, you know, a couple Western countries where herbal medicine isn't really seen as a legitimate um, approach to health or wellness. If you go to mm -hmm. other countries, um, New Zealand, Australia, uh, many countries in Europe, there are you know, not only means of licensing for herbalists, they are seen as, you know, legitimate in a very legitimate and they're utilized, you know? Um, and I also just wanted to speak to towards what you were talking about in terms of like unearthing histories. I think there is so much importance of, you know, diving deep and finding those stories, but also recognizing the ones that are here and have been on the surface this whole time. Yes. I think it, it's yes. a matter of listening to narratives that exist, you know, black people have been talking yeah. about this for, you know, since we were kidnapped, you know, 400 years ago. And you can find writings and narratives of black activists and black intellectuals and black artists. You know, it just, it really just takes looking, you know, it takes empathy. It takes seeing you know us as humans and like deserving of life in the same way that everyone is right. i'm finding that i mean I, as i've been doing research especially in the past week um i've i've felt compelled to find out what i can and listen to black leaders from the 60s and 70s um talking uh, very powerfully about the very same things we're facing today. I mean, these things could have been recorded today. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that culturally, broadly, we have not been listening to those voices. Mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we do better, do you think, to elevate these voices so that we can remove these barriers to health, to mental health? Because the human body is a system. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. 
everything affects everything else, right? They're connected. Yeah, very, everything is very interconnected within the body. Um, so it's just, since going through all of my herbal training, it's just so amazing to see how interconnected it is. But um, I really think the mm. biggest way to learn these things is empathy and just listening. Um, I find that in the past and just in general, a lot of times when black people, people of color address, you know, issues of race, I think there is a, like, I don't know, a response that is brought up in a lot of white people to immediately become defensive and immediately yeah. try to like defend their stance and, but also standing for things that don't even really, it's, it's a compulsory defense of a system that isn't serving white people either. And it's just, sometimes it's a little baffling to me, um, but I think the key is just empathizing when, you know, someone in the same way that if a child or a spouse of yours would come to you and say, hey, this thing happened and it made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel sad. It made me feel pushed out. It made me feel like my voice wasn't heard. The same way that you would respond to someone you loved, another human in your life, respond to Black people when we are saying these things. You know, I think it's really easy to, you know, try to want to get past racism or say that, you know, that was an issue then, but is no longer an issue now, or I don't see right. color. But the reality of it is, is that it's just an erasure of histories that are very much still present and applicable now. Systems that are still present and very much thriving in terms of holding Black people back. You know, it's not a matter of not seeing differences, but it's asking yourself in what ways do these differences affect your life and how can I sympathize towards that? How can I try to understand you better? Absolutely. And I, and I have to say that I am sorry that you are in a position to have to explain that. Mm -hmm. You should not be ever put in that position. I, I am here with a platform that hopefully can, is reaching people all around the world of all colors, all stripes. And so, you know, when I, when I invited you on, even before the, this, you know, horrible event uh, with George Floyd's death and his lynching in high death on the international stage, um, I, I felt that it was very important to, to uplift all perspectives and to be able to hone in, you're, you're, you're expending emotional labor on, on explaining. And I appreciate it. I want to say that right here in front of God and everybody, mm -hmm. that this is, this is deeply appreciated that you're willing to do this because it matters. Um, in terms of your work, in terms of your focus right now in helping black and brown people find holistic health. Let's go there. Let's talk about that because, because that's, that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, again, thank you for um, 
your extension of appreciation, you know, as an educator and an herbalist and, you know, um, I choose to use my platform as a means of educating. Um, and right. I would like to also say, you know, just to kind of push it home that asking black and brown people to do this work is labor. And I think it's important that nobody ever feel entitled to that because there are so many resources, but, you know, obviously in the case of this podcast, I volunteered to be here. I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to use what I know to kind of, you know, push the conversation forward. Um, as far as your question was, um, avenues towards holistic health for black and brown folks, correct? Yes. Yeah. So um, I guess with my approach and what holistic health can offer in terms of herbal medicine specifically, um, anytime that I'm working with a client or, you know, educating a room, you know, what I know most is the herbs. Um, I am able to find herbs that help in terms of physiological responses to the body. We have a big one, as we talked about, stress is a huge part of this, the stress and, you know, mental and emotional toll that all this, all these systems take on the body. We have herbs that are nervines that help to relax the nervous system, but we also have adaptogenic herbs that I like to utilize, which essentially just helps the response to stress, like the physiological response to stress. Um, they help ease the way that cortisol affects the body. And so it's not as harmful. Um, but also a lot of what I do is just sustaining dialogues with people, really getting deep into what is causing, you know, any sort of imbalances, emotional, mental, physical imbalances. And a lot of my job is to make recommendations out to other things and other practices. And so um, I am a very, you know, strong proponent of things like acupuncture or talk therapy or support groups or peer counseling. Um, my job is just to connect, um, connect people with resources um, along with the ways in which plants can help them and aid them. Um, yeah, so, you know, some of the resources that I, tell people frequently if we're talking about ways to cope with the trauma are different forms of therapy. Um, there are a lot of works you mm -hmm. can look at, like therapy for black girls, inclusive therapy, um, National Queer and Trans Therapists of Color Network. Um, there are a lot of different pages and educational resources like the NAP Theory, mm -hmm. Harriet's Apothecary, Ashe Living. Um, there are other you know, support peer groups um, I know a friend of mine named Sasha, who's wonderful, does um, Blacks and Brown support groups every Thursday um, under the Instagram Earth Winning Flowers underscore. Um, like I said, Ashe Living is a really amazing herbalist and holistic practitioner that also has a lot of resources. And so really, it's just you know, looking at the whole of a person and seeing where I can help and what my role is and also their support that mm. might be pertinent to them and what's going on. Twenty first century life skills warrant twenty first century education. Every human being is born into a classroom, each of us given the same homework, the same core assignments personal care skills, emotional literacy, financial literacy, environmental literacy, 
These and other essential life skills are unique, learned and used by each of us every day of our lives. Indeed, they are the common thread in our humanity, core to individuals and the communities they construct, surviving and thriving. Raising the bar on life skills education for all. This is the mission of Parenting 2.0. Visit www.parenting2pt0.org for more information. Mm. That's great. And if you would um, send me a list of some of these uh, resources, I will post them in the description so that anyone who is looking uh, will have direct access just by clicking the uh, the website sure links. Will... Yeah. Um, how does your work reach people? I mean, how do you, how are you, I mean, this is one way, obviously, uh, to find other people who are, are offering up platforms to, to, to share information. Um, but when you're talking about the general population, do you, do you work mainly locally and focus your efforts locally or do you go regionally or nationally? How do you approach so, that? So um, really, I, in terms of the where I can work and what I can do, the world is kind of my oyster thanks to, you know, internet. Um, as an herbalist, I predominantly do um, intakes and um, working with clients one-on-one -on -one and essentially my reach is wherever there is an internet connection. So I can do um, in terms of the way that I reach useful, I do it predominantly through my platform. So I have a website, a Facebook page, an Instagram page. Um, I'm hoping to, and I've had conversations about partnering with different organizations to do some educational and speaking work. Um, I do online workshops. I do, you know, I'm hoping as soon as a sense of stability and calm is back, start doing in-person workshops. And I'm based in the Chicago area, um, but I also frequent Minnesota, so I would love to do, you know, things there. Um, but really, I <laughs> there are very few barriers on me in terms of practice. And people can reach you easily, it sounds like. And I'll put your links to your websites and your uh, your uh, social media in the, in the description as well. Um, Let's talk a little bit about COVID-19. Um, what are your thoughts about how herbalism can support um, the immune system or uh, help people who do uh, get it? Because as we know, black and brown communities are the hardest hit in America. Um, more people are, are getting the virus, more people are dying from the virus and it's rampant. And especially now, that everyone is out in the streets, um, the chances of a, a new spike arriving uh, are great, especially in black and brown communities, I think. And so how do we meet that? How do you meet that as a professional? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to say also like how unfortunate it is that, you know, you know, black and brown communities are dealing with the fact that they're disproportionately affected by COVID. And then now, you know, all of this has happened, which, you know, creates the need for organizing and protesting, but is only increasing our susceptibility to it. I think that's so unfortunate right. how that plays out. And it's just another way in which 
systemic racism really affects health. But um, in terms of a way of combating that, I am a huge proponent of preventative um, measures. And so before we even get to people having it, I think it's our jobs to keep our immune systems as ready to fight as possible. And so in the times that I've been, you know, going to um, protest or in spaces where I'm doing like um, delivery of different supplies, if I'm going to be around people, I am preemptively taking herbs that are going to help to boost my immune system. So these are herbs like echinacea has been shown to create or get, you know, our macrophages and our white blood cells um, ready and mobilized. And so it's just preparing for us to fight off anything. Um, you know, things like mm-hmm. if we're talking about access, which is a huge thing, um, and we're talking about herbs that can be found commonly or in our kitchen. Um, ginger is a huge one. Um, some of the herbalists, <clears throat> both in um, TCM, traditional Chinese medicine um, platforms, or you know, different forms of Western herbalism, have talked about the need for keeping the body, the internal temperature warm. The idea is using diaphoretic herbs, which are herbs that are opening our pores, um, warming up the body to make sure that um, there are pathways for things to be pushed out of the body, and also making. Um, our body temperatures to a height where it's not um, ideal for viruses to multiply or thrive. And so these are herbs like ginger, these are herbs like garlic. Um, garlic has also been to, um, shown to be incredibly antimicrobial. Um, a lot of our mint family aromatic herbs like thyme, oregano, and rosemary are also really good. Thyme is specifically indicated for dispersal through the lungs, as is garlic mentioned Mm. um and so it's really just doing all those things but i can't stress enough even beyond that in terms of preventative medicine is just nourishing our bodies and making sure we are able to function in that way um i think because of the sense of urgency that we feel which is very legitimate um people are sacrificing their own health as a means to fight this and at the end of the day it's not sustainable so we need to make sure that we are sleeping as much as we can we are hydrating and we are eating i've seen so many people in um, my community um you know be so busy that they're forgetting to do these things and it's just we we have to sustain ourselves in order to sustain the movement and for people outside of the organization that means helping by you know sending black and brown people or people you know organizing food you know or offering their kids so that they can rest or they can work or you know offering to transport things so that other people are left or allowed to um do what they need to do it's just supporting our communities to make sure that we can stay you know good and safe and and you know the the other question that i have is accessibility mm-hmm. to fresh herbs and and is there a difference i know that that this is a general uh, problem in america um but focusing specifically on black and brown communities the problem of um the consumption of processed foods um and accessibility to fresh herbs versus dried or 
you know, it, especially now during the lockdown, is uh, you know it's harder to get fresh food, and uh, and that's a barrier. That's a big mm-hmm. barrier. Is there a difference in fresh versus dried, and also cooked versus raw? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know it changes the composition yeah, a bit. Yeah, for when you sure. Cook. Um, in a lot of instances, it just depends. Um, I think in a lot of ways, fresh is ideal, but it's not always, you know, accessible, like you mentioned, in which cases, in a lot of cases, dry are totally fine. Um, In terms of access, I want to just say for me specifically, um, everything I do is donation based and based on like a sliding scale. And so in terms of that, there's Mm -hmm. never an issue, but with access and herbs, I also have a full apothecary that I work with um, on a sliding scale basis. Um, but if we're talking about, you know, access to fresh foods right now, I know, especially in Minneapolis, um, so many of the grocery stores are, have either been, you know, destroyed or boarded up. And so these communities that were already having trouble accessing foods have just been totally, it just, it's compounding. And so it's been really great to see the way in which the community has really stepped up to provide a lot of these things. Um, but in terms of herbs, there are ways to, you know, there are a lot of different herbal apothecaries that I rely on that are online based that can essentially ship anywhere. And like I said, my full apothecary is always here and always ready to go. Um, but yeah, I think fresh, like I said, is always ideal, but that's not even totally accessible to me because I am not, um, I do some wild crafting, which is essentially just the idea of going out to forests and collecting your old herbs or your own herbs, but it's not, yeah, it's Foraging. not the, um, you know, the biggest way that I work with herbs because it's not realistic to me. Um, so, um, yeah. So I'm what I'm hearing you say is do the best you can with yeah, what you can get. Because a lot right? of times also when you're ordering like herbal products online and a lot of the apothecaries that I rely on, um, you're getting things like tinctures um, or grains or vinegars. Mm. They are fresh herb tinctures. And so it's not a matter of, you know, needing the fresh herb yourself to create that product. It's already been, you know, used like the fresh herb has been used in that tincture if that makes sense. I think. um, Can you talk a little bit about what a tincture is? Yeah, for sure. So um, there are a lot of different methods in taking herbs. Um, You can take infusions, which are essentially just teas that you make that steep typically for anywhere from 30 minutes to eight hours, depending on the, um, you know, phytochemicals that you want to extract. There are decoctions, which is when you take things like roots or barks of plants boil them with tops on, um, especially, this is especially necessary for things like mushrooms. And this kind of answers your question for um, cooked versus fresh. It really depends because for example, mushrooms, you can only extract um, the relevant phytochemicals if they're heated for an extended period of time. Eating plain mushrooms is not going to give you the same um, chemical basis that heating it will because certain to be broken wow. down. What, are, what about garlic, garlic? So the key with garlic is, I can't remember what the chemicals are called, but the, it's required that you cut it up and let it sit for at least 15 minutes so that two, 
it's gonna it's gonna come to me as soon as we're off this podcast. But two, um, need to mix in <laughs> order to get the antimicrobial properties of it. Um, that is also something that can be utilized when you cook it for a very very brief period of time, if you don't have time to wait the fifteen minutes. Um, so the way in which you are extracting things really depends on the herb. Um, but also what should be noted is that some herbs require infusions or water extractions. Um, some are require them, the water to be hot and some require the water to be cold because there are also things like polysaccharides or volatile oils that are often broken down with too much heat. And so it really, it really right. just depends on the plant, what you're looking for from the plant. Um, yeah, in the individual person. Tinctures well, are alcohols of herbs, and so yeah. oftentimes when you have things like alkaloids that you want to get from the herbs, those are soluble in alcohol, and so you would use an alcohol extraction. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. Wow. Well, you have given a plethora of information, and I know that our time is is coming to an end this time. I hope to have you back again because this is really fascinating mm -hmm. and so important. Um, what are, would you say, the three topmost takeaways that you would want our listeners, especially black and brown, to to uh, to carry from this conversation and through this, uh, these for next sure. months. So I think if we're talking about, you know, for black and brown folks, but also everyone, um, kind of the idea that plant medicine is an option. A lot of times it's gentler than that of allopathic medicine, and but can still really pack a punch on a lot of the things that require small shifts in the body. Um, also the idea for everyone, but especially white people to practice some empathy in these times and all the time when, you know, listen to black people, listen to brown people, listen to their experiences and really try to understand them. Um, and I think the last one is just the importance of taking care of ourselves in a holistic sort of way. You know, when we have some sort of ailment or some sort of health problem, really challenge ourselves to look inward and ask ourselves in what ways are my stressful job or, you know, the ways in which I move or, you know, this negative relationship impacting those things and my health. Taylor Ray Tate, thank you so much for taking this precious time to share with me and with our audience. Um, if you want more information about Rayflower Holistics and the services that Taylor Ray provides or any other questions, you can reach her at rayflowerholistics.com. That's R-E-A, no, R-A-E, <laughs> flowerholistics.com. And uh, you can also find her on Facebook and Instagram and um, I'll have those links in the description. Um, it's been an honor Thank and a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and just having this dialogue with me. I really appreciated it. Anytime. Sure. And we'll do it again. Right. Have a good day. Right. Be well.
You've been listening to The Lost Traveler with Henry Cameron Allen. For more information, please visit www.henryallen.org. Thanks so much for tuning in, and let's all keep striving for a better world. Thank you.